Welcome to Victory Church. Uh, my name is Troy. I get the opportunity to pastor Victory Church. I want to give you just a couple of announcements before we jump into the sermon today. First of all, if you are visiting with us, uh, whether you're online for the first time or whether you're in person for the first time, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to answer any of your questions and uh, kind of move you forward in the process of learning about victory. And then ultimately being able, what we like to say, going from your seat to your feet. Uh, we have a saying here at Victory, you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. And we love to see people get involved and get connected. So coming up on the screen will be a phone number. And what you can do is you can actually text in the message box, you text VICTORY18. And then in the number area, you put 31996. So again, in that number, you 31996, text VICTORY18. And what's going to happen is on your phone, a digital connection card is going to come. And it's just an opportunity for you to give us some information about you. Uh, but there's also some check boxes and some questions at the bottom that you might be able to say, hey, I'm interested more in salvation or baptism. I want to know more about the dream team. Or there's just a box where you, maybe you just have a question. You'd like to ask what's going on with victory in the future. What are the beliefs of victory? Different things. We'd just love to connect with you, put a name to a face. Uh, my wife and I will all be out in the lobby after service. We'd love to meet you if we can just to say hi and share a little bit about yourself. So do that for us if you're text to connect. Maybe you've been coming for a while and you just haven't really taken that step. We really want to urge you to do that uh, moving forward. Also, if you're looking for a way to give, again, maybe you're visiting, maybe you've come here for a while and you say, hey, I love what Victory's doing. I want to be able to support Victory. We give three ways here. One is online through either our website or our app. Second is you can text to give, similar to what you just did to text to connect. Or when you're walking out today by the merch area, there's just a little black box uh, that you can put a check or cash in that way, and you can be able to support what's happening here at Victory. I always try to do my best to share a little bit about what the finances of the church are doing uh, in our community the most every Sunday as we're talking. I got the opportunity Thursday morning to sit in on a meeting with a ministry that is kind of opening its doors to Rutherford County, and we're definitely going to get involved with them, excited to see what God does to them. It's called Isaiah 117, okay? And the ministry, you'll hear more about it, so I'll give you more details, but it's basically ministering to foster kids as they go through the process of um, foster care into an, into an adoption home, and there's kind of a gray area there where they tend to get lost, and they come in, that ministry comes in and really provides love and care and vision for that time period. Um, again, you can, you can Google it, Isaiah 117, read about it, but we're working some details now, and I'll have way more information for you coming up here in the future. But I just always want you to understand, church, you're so faithful. And so not only are we able to do great things here in our church and seeing people saved and people baptized, but we are making a huge impact in our community and I just wanted you to know that. I'll give you kind of something else that's happening. These next few things are things I want you to put on your calendar. This Friday, okay, so this Friday, July 2nd, uh, our community always does a massive um, 4th of July event celebration. And so we always get a booth there and we do something for our community. This year, we've rented a booth there and we are providing a dunk tank. And myself, I'll be in the dunk tank. Um, the mayor of Smyrna will be in the dunk tank. The town manager, Brian Hercules, a friend of mine, he'll be in there. And so there's going to be some community leaders. A, a couple of councilmen will be there. But we'll also be there with glow-in-the-dark necklaces and information from our church. I invited Isaiah 117 to come share our area and promote what they're doing. But the whole idea is just to be there and love on our community. So if you want to be a part of it, uh, you can talk with us, let us know. You can be connected to that. You can text to connect if you want to get more information on that. We'd love to have you out there. Uh, it's a great time for you to not only come and pr pr promote, support Victory, but you can run off with your kids or your spouse, or your boyfriend, girlfriend, have a great time at the event. There's food trucks and live music and all kinds of things, so you do not want to miss it. Um, also, next Sunday, as you walk through the doors, 
you should be handed uh, information on our very first missions trip. Come on, let me hear it. Yeah, yeah. Come on, church. We're, we're three years old. Uh, not if you if you take away the one year we spent uh, in our house learning how to grow bell peppers. We're two years old, and we're so excited to be able to go on our first missions trip to Costa Rica. And so, if you want more information, when you walk in the doors next week, you'll be handed an information card, and there'll be all the information you need, as well as our outreach mission directors will be there to be able to answer any questions and get you with us in Costa Rica. Are you excited about that? Yeah. I'm excited about it. Uh, and So those things are happening next weekend. This weekend, or, or let me say it like this, tonight. Now, if you're in here live, this happens for you tonight. If you're watching online, I'm sorry, you're too late because you're kind of a week behind. But if you're in here in person today, uh, what's going to happen is tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to meet at Lee Victory Park, Shelter 4, and we're going to have food and dessert and volleyball and frisbee and basketball and cornhole, and the youth are going to have all kinds of activities and games, and we're just going to hang out together from 5 to 7 p.m. So Lee Victory Park, I want to invite you, come on out. You'll see our shelter, you'll see our area, hang out with us, we'll have drinks, we'll have food, and it's just a great time for us as a family to hang out, and we love to just kind of talk to our family that's been watching online and say, hey, if you don't feel comfortable yet coming back in person, come hang out with us outside at Lee Victory Park. Cool? All right, so put those things in your calendar, let's be ready. I hope I get to see you tonight, and then I'm excited about next Sunday as those things start to roll. Food, I said food. The desserts, yeah. Text dessert. See what happens when somebody sits in the front row and starts talking to you when you're trying to preach? You have no idea what's happening right now. Uh, oh, yes, you can text to bring a dessert. If you're wanting to come tonight and you're saying, hey, uh, you know, it's last minute, you can actually bring a dessert, and then the desserts will be put out, and the best dessert wins a Lowe's gift card. How awesome is that? Right? All right, so, so bring your dessert. Uh, I like to eat them, and then I'll give you the gift card for them. Cool? Everybody cool with that? All right. So again, if you are with us, uh, maybe you haven't been in a minute or you're visiting with us for the first time, we are actually in the middle of studying through the book of Acts. And so we started with Acts chapter 1 as a church a few weeks, maybe a couple months ago, and we have been working through the book of Acts chapter by chapter. And so we're in Acts chapter 6 today. If you want to go ahead and turn there, it's Acts chapter 6 verse 8 is where we're going to start. But I want to catch you up real quick. I want to update you on where we are and what's happening. So the book of Acts starts right after Jesus resurrects. So Jesus resurrects. Um, he reveals himself to the disciples. And then he ascends to go to heaven. And then the church actually begins. Like the church post-Christ, you know, ascending starts to work. The church comes alive. And, and great things start to happen. And so they go through persecution. And that causes the church to grow. Uh, a few different things we've talked about through chapters 1 through 6. But where we started, where we got to last week is now the church is growing, and it's growing at such a fast pace that they're having to delegate responsibilities, which is why you come into a church like this, and you've got leaders who are doing production, and leaders who are doing kids, and first impressions, and outreach, and worship, because as the church grows, you have to delegate those responsibilities to people, and then that was causing a problem because people were getting overlooked, so they assigned seven guys, and Stephen was one of them, to be over that specific ministry of distribution of food, and so everything was going good, the church is growing, Stephen is operating in his position, he's serving, and then all of a sudden something happens in Acts chapter 6, and I want to read it, and I want to show you what I feel like the Lord was really pressing on my heart this week for us as a church. So Acts chapter 6, verse 8 is where we start. It says, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. So not only is he distributing food, but he's also being used by God in an amazing way. 
Verse 9 says that opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. So these men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom of the Spirit that the, the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So these men are mad at Stephen, they're coming after Stephen, but they cannot gain uh, anything on him because of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. It says, then they secretly persuaded some men to say that, hey, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized Stephen and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witness who testified that this fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin, all of a sudden, they put all of their attention on Stephen. They're looking at him intently, and they see that his face looks like the face of an angel. Do me a favor. I want you to look at somebody beside you, if you've got somebody near you. If nobody's near, you might have to scream a little bit. I want you to give them the title of my sermon, all right? The title of my sermon is this. They're not just words. <laughs> Sometimes you got to scream, you know what I mean? They're not just words, all right? I think that's important for us to hear today. So, so let, me, let me set it up like this. I'm 36 years old, so I don't know how many of you, I feel like anybody who's my age or older is going to know what I'm talking about, but if you're younger than me, you may not. But there was this saying when I was growing up, and it went like this. It started off, sticks and stones. That's, there it is, all right? So for you young folk that didn't hear that, let me tell you what they said. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And then there was a second part. I was trying to figure it out, but I couldn't quite remember, where it's kind of got this saying like, I'm rubber and you're glue and whatever you say and sticks to you, right? Come on, how stupid is that? You know what I mean? Like, what are we being taught as kids? But I was thinking that through, and I'm going through this whole, like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whatever you say, I'm rubber. Your glue, it bounces off of me. It sticks to you. It has no impact on me. And here's what we're basically teaching. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we're basically teaching that words are just words, right? That, that, that words don't hurt that words don't have this power, right? We're, we're teaching at that age in our life. We're being taught that, hey, sticks hurt. Stones hurt. They may break your bones. But guess what? Words will not hurt you. And I have found out at 36 years old that that is the biggest lie I've ever heard. Amen? Let me see if I'm talking to the right crowd. If you could say that over your lifetime, and maybe even over the past couple of months, you have been seriously hurt by the words that somebody spoke. Will you raise your hand for me real quick? I just want to see. All right, look around. Keep your hands up. I want you to look around. All right, this goes to show you. You can put them down now. That's the power of words. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but guess what? Words hurt too, right? That, that's how we should change that scenario. I, I was doing some study, and it was interesting to me that there are about 800,000 words in the English language, 800,000 words. Uh, the study said that the average American uses about 10,000 of those words, so let that process. Doesn't mean that we use the same 10,000, 
But out of 800,000 words, we use about 10,000. We know, I'm sorry, we know about 10,000 of them. We use about 5,000 of them, okay? So out of 800,000 words that are out there, we know 10,000. We use about 5,000 of them. And then there was another study I was reading that said, if you took all of the words that we speak in one day, it would make up a 60-page book. Think about that. The words that you speak in one day, if you took that amount of words, it would create a 60-page book. But here's the secret. You and I get to decide what that book is about. We speak 5,000 words, but we get to decide what those words are. We get to decide whether they're going to be encouraging or discouraging. We decide whether they're going to be words of praise or criticism. We decide whether they're going to be words of truth or deceit. And I want you to catch what's happening in Acts chapter 6, because Stephen is simply doing what God has called him to do. He's preaching the gospel. He's helping the needy. He's literally uh, operating in the position and the calling that God has on his life. And all of a sudden, these people come along that, for whatever reason, are upset with what he's speaking, and they start saying things that start to twist and put false accusations against Stephen. So let me show you three things real quick. It's not in my notes, but I want to give you three things that were said in those verses we read that I thought were so powerful. The first thing it said is it said that they secretly persuaded them. Hear me. Anytime we use words the wrong way, it's often done in secret, right? Whenever we want to use words to gossip, whenever we want to use words to hurt, we tend to secretly persuade people. There's a reason why we don't want to say it in front of them, right? We're not out to say it right in front of them. We either say it on a social media device or we say it around a crowd when they're not there. We try to secretly, secretly persuade people. The, the other thing it said is it said it stirred up people. And I love that because whenever you're using negative words, often what you're doing is you're walking into an environment that's at peace and you're stirring it up. Right? You're causing problems. There's ripple effects. And then it ended by saying they put false witness, which means they created this identity of Stephen that wasn't true. Stephen did say that God was going to destroy the temple and then build it in three days. He did say that because it's true. But he didn't say it the way they were saying it. He wasn't saying it in a malicious way. He wasn't saying it in a hateful way. He was just prophesying what God's going to do. But these people took what he said they twisted it, and they used it to persuade people to go against Stephen. Because listen, you could not stop Stephen because the popular opinion was for the gospel. So the only way you can stop Stephen is to twist the words and to make the popular opinion go against the gospel. I don't know if you are catching the, the, the familiarity here. But in a time where the gospel, and we're trying to preach the gospel, the only way that they can bring down the church and the gospel is to twist what the Bible says and to make it look malicious and hateful and then try to get the popular opinion to go against it. I'm, I'm kind of getting off, but I just want you to understand what I'm saying. It's powerful what happened in Acts 6. Stephen just doing what God's called him to do. And then here comes these people. Have you ever just been doing what God called you to do, and then here came somebody that wanted to gossip about you or talk about you or secretly persuade people or twist what you were saying. You ever had that happen? You ever done it? The, the book of Acts is showing us how the church should act. That's what the book of Acts is. 
is how you and I, as the church, the body of Christ, should be living our life. And if the church wants to be impactful, and if the church wants to be helpful, and if the church wants to be a place of healing, we have got to start paying more attention to how we communicate. We've got to start paying way more attention to what we are saying. Because here's what I believe. I believe that the condition of our land depends on the direction of our communication. I remember during the pandemic when everything was closed down and, and during the, when the, the whole racial injustice, when George Floyd had been murdered and all this stuff was going kind of crazy, there was all this, this talking, all this talking on social media. And I, I remember there was this moment where people were, they were putting out this verse and everybody wanted to pray for our land to be healed. It was more of a Christian circle, but more, I'm sorry, a pastor circle. But everybody was like, pray for our healing of our land. Pray for the healing of our land. And I couldn't help but think, you know what? We can pray all we want, but until we change the way we speak, right? Because we can talk to God one way and talk to other people a different way. You know what I mean? Like, like the condition of our land is directly responsive to the direction of our communication. And it's important that you and I learn this. You ready? Our words carry weight. This is a word for you, and it's a word for you to model for those that are around you. It's a word for our family online, and it's a word for everybody who comes. Our words carry weight. And in 2021, I don't think that there's a more dynamic word for us right now than that. That everything you say has impact. Let's go back to Acts chapter 6 for a second. Watch this. Verse 11 says, then they secretly persuaded some men. There's what I was talking about. Some men to say, watch, this is so crazy. We've heard Stephen speak blasphemous. No, he hasn't. He just didn't say what you wanted him to say. Words against Moses and against God. He's preaching the gospel. So they stirred up the people. There's the other part. And the elders and the teachers of law, and then watch this. They seized Stephen, and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin would have been like bringing him to court for trial. So Stephen is arrested because of other people taking what he said and twisting it and creating false witness about him. So he's arrested. They're the ones that took the information, twisted it, and created a lie. He's arrested because of it. Now, here was the part that really messed me up, okay? Think about this. We are going to see Stephen murdered in the next chapter. I'm pretty sure we'll get there by next Sunday. We are going to watch Stephen be murdered right in front of us. He's the first martyr. He's murdered for the gospel right in front of us, Acts chapter 7, and he's murdered. Are you ready for this? Because of what somebody said. It's what happened. Nobody was trying to murder him before they twisted his words. He was just going through feeding people, loving Jesus. He's like, I'm Stephen. Right? Everything's great. And they twist his words, and because they twisted his words, because of something that they said in Acts chapter 7, he will be murdered. And yet, in 2021, we are still saying, they're just words, right? They're, they're just words. If, if there's any people group, any group of people that should understand the power of words, it's Christians. If there's, if there's any gathering of people who should understand that every word we speak carries amount of weight beyond we could ever imagine, it's Christians. And let me show you what I mean. God created the world with words, right? Every time that God spoke, every time that God spoke, he either created or identified. 
All right, so, so let's rewind for a second. In, in creation, uh, he would say, let there be light, and there be light. That's creation. He's, he's creating. Let there be light. Boom. So with words, he created. And then remember, he, uh, he, he got done working on the sixth day, and he looked back, and what did he say? It is what? It is good. That's identification. So God would either create with words, or he would identify with words. He was showing us then in Genesis, in the beginning, in chapter one, he was modeling for you and he was modeling for me that because Christ is in me, because I am of God, when I speak, I must do one of two things. I will either create or I will identify with my words. And it's our choice. You either get to create something or you get to identify something. Meanwhile, the devil, while God created the world with words, the devil started the fall of man with words. And here's what I learned. If God, every time he speaks, creates and identifies, then every time the enemy speaks, he divides and distorts. Because what did he say to Adam and Eve? That's not what God said. That's not, how, that's not what God said. Distortion. No, no, God, God, God just doesn't want you to be like him. Division. I don't know about you, and maybe, I, maybe I'm being a little bit too open here for this moment. I kind of feel like when we speak, it falls into one of those four categories. I feel like when we speak, we're either going to divide, distort, create, or identify. And it's up to us when we get to choose what's going to happen. What are we going to do with our words? We have to understand that words, spoken or written, are serious and powerful things to God. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I thought this was interesting. And in 2021, life and death are in the power of our thumbs. They, were in the, they are in the power of our tongue, but now in our generation today, you can speak without speaking. So not only are they in the power of the tongue, they're in the power of our thumbs. I was thinking through this, you know, because this is scripture. Scripture says that the power of death Oh, I'm sorry, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's actual scripture from the Bible. And so I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know what? When, when I was 16, and I decided I wanted to drive a car, I had to go through a process. I, I had to go take a test. I had to get approved in front of this group of people, and then I was given a license, and then I was able to drive, right? If you decided right now that you wanted a gun, you would have to go, you know, uh, go through a, an application process, you would have to take some tests, you would have to be approved by some people, and then you would have to get a license to carry a firearm. If you decided that you wanted to be a doctor, you wanted to operate in medicine, you would have to go take tests, and you'd have to go sit in front of people and be approved by those people, and then you would have to get a license to operate in medicine. And I'm sitting back going, what is, what's, the, what's the connection here? The connection is, Anytime that you and I get the opportunity to be responsible for something that has the power to kill, there's normally accountability with it, right? Like you can kill somebody with a car, you can kill somebody with a gun, you can kill somebody in an operating room. And so people understand that. And so because they understand that they're putting the power of death or life in your hands, they have all this accountability and responsibility for you. But yet there's none of that for speaking, wouldn't it be awesome if every time you talked, you had to go through a, like a, a process? 
It's because you like to talk too much. You know what I mean? Like, like, like imagine if you got on Facebook and, they, and you went to go, you know, what is the status? What it used to say? What's on my mind, I think is what the status is. And you were like, you went to com- comment what was on your mind. And it was like, hold on for a second. Started asking you some tests. You had to go through a whole process. There was like a family of people that interviewed you. And then all of a sudden, now they approved your words to go through. I bet we'd say a lot less, right? If there was accountability. Here's how I know that if there was more accountability to what we'd say, we'd be more careful with what we say. And here's how I know. When I was a kid, you got punched in the mouth when you said something stupid. You know what I mean? There's folks saying stuff on Facebook about other people. If you said it in 20, uh, well, in 2000 when I was in high school, you're getting punched in the mouth. There's kids saying stuff. My mom used to beat me. Anybody else in here got beat by their parents when they said something dumb? You know what I'm talking about? There, there, was, there was this saying my parents had, I loved it. It was, I wish you would. Y'all ever had that saying? I wish you would. That was just them letting me know. I'm totally ready to beat you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm totally in position. I've been, you know, we're ready. The bell is, is hanging. It hasn't been used in a while. I wish you would. That's how it began. But then I got beat enough that my parents could give me the look. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, you'd be ready to say something, you know, like they make you mad, and you'd be gearing up, going through your vocabulary, and then, and then, like, you'd be ready to say something, and, like, my mom would have her back to me, she'd be in the kitchen, and she'd be like, (laughs) and it's almost like you heard her, right? You almost heard her say, what? And it's like, I ain't say nothing. (laughs) I remember the first time, y'all, I don't know if I can say this in church, but I was, uh, I was probably 15, so teenagers do not learn from me. I was in the mall. I was going up the escalator. I was with my mom, and my mom said something to me, and I cussed at her for the first time. <laughs> the best way I can say this is I never to this day did it again. I didn't know you could be beat up an escalator. I didn't know that. You know what I mean? I figured you could be beat down one. I found out you could be beat up one. But that's my point, right? Like It never happened again. Why? Because there was accountability to what I said. And when there's an accountability to what we speak, when we understand the weight of our words, I understand we all make mistakes, but sometimes we will approach it differently when there's an accountability to what we say. We cannot preach against certain sins and then ignore how we speak to one another. We can't do it. We can't gather in the church and preach against this sin and that sin and this sin and the whole time ignore the sin of what's coming out of our mouth. If the language of believers is not challenged, then it's just going to continue to become common. And I don't know that we're challenging the language of believers enough. Now, I do feel like I need to say this. I understand, I've heard people say this before, God's working on me. And that's a true statement, I love that. And I think that's my point that as God continues to mature us as Christians, because there's so many things about our lives that we feel like we need to work on, sometimes we overlook our language. And I think that's important because if we're not careful, if we don't continue to challenge believers on their language, eventually it just will become common. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, the other day we were in the house and my youngest daughter got mad and she's stomping up the stairs, boom, 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 boom. And she go, I go, I said, don't you slam your door. And before she, you could tell she was about to, because she stopped, she didn't know what to do, so she went, this is ridiculous. And then she went in her room. 
And I went into where Darla was, and I was like, ridiculous. Like, she just said, you hear that? She just said, this is ridiculous. I was like, where does she get ridiculous? And Darla looked at me, she was like, she get it from you? And I was like, I don't say ridiculous. Like, first of all, that's way too many syllables. I don't say words like that. Ridiculous? And she was like, I, I, I'm just saying. A couple days go by, and <laughs> we were in a scenario where my kids were acting younger than they should act. And I remember, I, I, I caught myself, I went, that's ridiculous. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I said it. And I'm just realizing, right, that as long as it's common, or I'm sorry, as long as it's allowed in my house, it becomes common. There's things we won't let our kids say. There's things that if they even start to say it, we correct on it. And because we do, when they get in other scenarios where that kind of language is common, they're freaked out by it. Because to them, it's not common. If this isn't a model of how we should be as Christians, that when we walk into a circle of gossip, it should be foreign to us. We walk into a, to an area, a chat room of hate, it should be foreign to us because that should not be common to us. But until it's challenged, until we look at other believers, I look at you and you look at me and we say, hey, that's not right. Our words carry weight. God creates and identify with words and you are dividing and distorting. You got to stop. But as long as we don't challenge it, it just becomes common. And the more common it becomes, guess what? The worse it becomes. Because the more you're okay with this, eventually it becomes this. And the more you're okay with this, eventually it becomes this. And I'm telling you, there's a time for us to stand up and say, guess what? As a Christian, I will not speak that way because my tongue has the power of life and death and I refuse to speak death. It's life and that's it. But that's a challenge, watch this, that we have to challenge each other with. Culture's not going to challenge you. Society's not going to challenge you. They're trying to make it common. But from Christian to Christian, we have to challenge it. If we don't begin to steward our words better, I feel like the Lord gave me this statement and it, and it wrecked me. We don't begin to steward our words better. If we aren't careful, we will speak a word that takes 10 seconds to orate and 10 years to overcome. If we're not careful, and I think we're already in this, to be honest with you, we're saying things where we didn't, it just, it, we, we just said it. We just said it. We honestly didn't even mean anything by it. We just said it. And it was like, oh, it's just, it's just this. And it's taken somebody years to overcome it. There are people in this room right now that are still trying to overcome something their parents said to them when they were kids. People in here who are still trying to overcome something their spouse said to them. Something their pastor said to them. There are people in here, watch this, that the people who spoke it don't even remember they said it. I don't even remember, I don't even remember saying that. Oh, it was no big deal. Oh, you know what? I was mad. Oh, I just spoke too soon. Yeah, I understand. But because you didn't steward your words well, it took you 10 seconds to say it. It's taken them 10 years to get over it. And that's why we have to start understanding the weight. The disciple or the apostle James in chapter three, he wrote this. I thought this was interesting. The tongue is a small part of the body. Small. He, he identified it's small, but it makes great boasts. James is saying, hey, I get it. If you were to measure it and compare it to other parts of your body, I understand that you think that the brain would be the most powerful Maybe your muscles, you know, whatever. But it's small, I get it. But it is great. 
when we see our words as small, we can see them as irrelevant. As long as we see them as small, we can see them as irrelevant. But what we call small, James is calling great. Before verse 5, he, he compared our tongue to three things. He compared it to a bit, a rudder, and a spark. The bit is the bit that would go in a horse's mouth. It's very small in comparison to the horse, the body of the horse. But he talks about how it can control the horse. The rudder, that is very small in comparison to the size of the boat, yet he talks about how it can direct the boat. And then he talks about a spark and how it being so small, but yet it can set an entire forest on fire. He's giving illustrations of three things that are small, but great in power. Small, but carry a lot of weight. The bit is, no long, is, is, is the smallest thing with the horse, but yet it controls the horse. The rudder is the smallest thing on the ship, yet it controls the ship. The spark is so small that you think it's irrelevant, but yet it can literally cause an entire forest fire. Again, the illustrations, it's so clear. I shouldn't even have to preach it. You can just get up and read the verse and be like, I get it. The tongue is so small, but if it's left without control, if I don't steward it well, if I don't take it serious, then it can literally destroy everything around me. I don't know if you've heard about this, but Dr. Emoto, I believe that's how you say his name, he was doing this experiment on power of words. So he got these three containers of rice and water. He had this one container and he put a label on it that said, thank you. And then he got a second container and he put a label on it that said, you're an idiot. And then he got another container and he didn't label it at all, okay? So he had three containers. One says, thank you. One says, you're an idiot. One says, nothing at all. And twice a day for months, he would walk in and he would speak to these containers of rice. And so the one that said, thank you, he would speak encouraging words, inspirational words, words of love. He would just speak it, just love on it. Oh, you're so, you're, you're so beautiful, Rice. I love you, Rice. You know, whatever he did. I don't know. Wasn't there. And then he would go over to the, you're an idiot container, and he would just talk down to it and speak negative. And then he would ignore the one without a label. So he'd speak positive, he'd speak negative, and then he would just ignore this one. And this went on for months, twice a day. After the experiment was over, the one that he had spoken thank you, or the one that said thank you that he had spoken great words to, was of a beautiful color, fresh, smelled great, some of the best rice ever. The one that he that had labeled you're an idiot that he had spoken bad to, it was black. It had turned black, and it was given off this incredible stench. And then the one that he ignored had begun to become blue and green because it had molded. Isn't that wild? All because of words all because of the power of how he's speaking to him. And I'm just telling you, if we were to step back for a moment, I think we would see the same evidence of the things in our life that the things that we speak positive to, they're flourishing. The things that we tend to speak negative to, they're going down. And the things that we ignore, they're just molded. It's the power of our words. It's time for us, I think, to repent. Repent means to stop ask for forgiveness, turn around and not do it again, from saying harmful things and then trying to release ourselves of the responsibility by saying, I didn't mean anything by it. We've got to get there. We've got to stop saying things quickly and then trying to relieve our responsibility. Oh, I'm sorry, didn't mean it. And releasing ourselves of the responsibility because words have power. We have to understand the impact that our words have on other people. But watch this, it's not just on other people. The words you say have an incredible impact on other people. You should talk about this in your car on the way to lunch. But they have great impact on you. 
There's another scripture in the Bible, I don't have it on the screen, but it talks about how our words are like seeds and that we eat the fruit of those seeds. Think about that. So your words are like seeds that go into a ground that plant and then produce a fruit. But guess who has to eat the fruit? The fruit, does, it doesn't have to be eaten by other people. It's eaten by you. And we start to realize the real impact that not only your words have on other people, but your words have on you. And I've been studying this for a little bit. And I want to share it with you. And I think it might even spill into next week as well. But there's some real power here. But I got to show you how I get there. But here's the statement. You ready? It's that if you'll change your words you'll change your world. If you change your worlds, or I'm sorry, your words, you'll change your world. So let me show you in Acts chapter six where I got stuck. I was reading Acts six and I'm going through all this stuff, the secretly persuading, the false witness that is stirring up people. And I'm like, this is so easy. I don't even have to write this sermon. It's just writing itself. These people are saying these things. That's not of God. There's a problem with it. It's just, it was amazing. But then I got to verse 15, and we read it together, and let me read it, and I'll explain it. And this is where I got real confused. It says, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin, so everybody who's in the trial area, looked intently at Stephen, so they look at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And this is where I got confused, because when you study that verse, what that means is that Stephen was at a perfect place of peace. And here's why I was confused. How could he be in the middle of a trial where people are saying things about him that are not true and him be perfectly at peace. Look, I don't know about you. I've had a lot of people say stuff about me in my life. I've had a lot of people secretly persuade things. I, I, I've had a lot of people, what's happening? I've had a lot of people, you know, twist things that I say, talk about me. I, I've had a lot of moments where, where people were using words to hurt me. Never once did I ever take on that moment and be perfectly in peace, right? So I was really confused by that. It, it was almost like Stephen was in a different world. It was almost like they were in this world and then Stephen was in a different world. And that's when it started giving me this thought like, okay, so, so is it possible that by changing my words, I change my world? Is it possible that by speaking differently to my kids or speaking differently to my spouse or speaking differently to my friends, or is it possible that I could change my world by changing my words? Is it possible, listen, that what we say can actually shape our surroundings? And then God had something, let something happen to me that, that I think really solidified it. And I gotta, I gotta tell you the story. A few days ago, Casey Ray, in case you don't know, Casey Ray is my six-year-old, little fireball. We're driving down the street. It's around lunchtime. And she says, Dad, tonight for dinner, I wanna have Sonic for dinner. And I was like, babe, look, I, I said no, but let me, before you think I'm a bad dad, we had just gone out to eat the night before and we had plenty of food from grocery shopping. She didn't, I, I didn't need to buy her more food. So I said, no, it's not gonna happen. And she got upset about it. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, if you want Sonic for dinner, you gotta pay for it yourself. She was like, okay. So I didn't think anything about it because she's six years old, right? So we go home, uh, we go into the house, we start working, I start working. And I, I sent Veda, my 11-year-old, and Casey to go clean their rooms. I said, y'all go clean your rooms. I need to work. Uh, their mom was at a meeting. A little bit of time goes by, and Casey Ray comes down with two trash bags. One trash bag in this hand, one trash bag in this hand, and they're full with stuff. And she's walking downstairs, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? 
And she said, well, this bag is stuff I'm going to give away, like to Goodwill. And she said, and this is the stuff that I'm going to sell. Well, her mom takes them all the time, like kid to kid, and we'll sell stuff to kid to kid, you know, that kind of thing. So I thought that's what she was talking about. So I ignored it, and I went back to working. A few minutes go by, and she walks in, she goes, Dad, how do you spell toys for sale? And I was like, why? What are you doing? And she said, I'm going to put a yard sale up in our driveway, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell our toys. I'm going to sell my toys and make some money and go get my Sonic for dinner. And I was like, babe, listen. Honest truth is what I said. I said, nobody wants your toys. I didn't, okay, don't make me feel like a bad dad, okay? These are used toys. I was like, babe, nobody's going to buy them toys. And she's like, you don't know? You don't know? And I was like, I, I know. I know. I'm 36 years old. I know where we live. Nobody, there's no kids walking the street going, I'm just looking to wonder if there's toys for sale around here. Like, that's not happening. You know, the community does a big yard sale and it happens or whatever. So anyway, so leave that picture up for a second. So we talk about it. I have to go to a meeting. So I leave. For two hours, when I drive back after two hours, this is what is in our driveway, okay? Leave the picture up until I tell you to put the other one up. This is what's in the driveway. So I pull up, and she has got this, all these little toys lined up. You see a little backpack, roller skates, and in her hand is the sign that says toys for sale. So as I get out of the car, she runs up to me, and she says, Dad, Dad, I've already made $13. And I was like, What? How? How did you make $13? I don't even understand. How? You, you didn't even sell anything. How did you make $13? And she said, I came out here, and she said, I had this Minnie Mouse toy, and this woman drove by, and her granddaughter loves Minnie Mouse, and she got out of the car, and she walked up to me, and she said, my granddaughter would love that. Um, would you sell it? And, and Casey said, yeah. She goes, how much would you sell it for? And Casey said, I don't know, 5 or $10. And the woman gave her a $10 bill. Right there for this Minnie Mouse toy. I, I heard her later talking to her friends, and this is what she, her friend bought something. Here's what she said. This is so great. She was like, I told her that she could either pay uh, a dollar or a penny. And her friend was like, I chose the penny. And I was like, yeah, you know, okay, I get it. But, but so we go through all this, and I go into the house, and I'm like, this is insane. Like, this girl has figured this out. So later on that night, show that next picture. Darla takes her. Do we got that second picture? Yeah, Darla takes her to Sonic. She buys her dinner from Sonic. She tipped the person at Sonic. You don't even tip the person at Sonic. She tipped the person at Sonic. She, listen, I was so blown away because I learned. In that moment, God was like, I'm telling you, boy, your words shape your surroundings. Because if she would have listened to me, she would have said, nobody wants to buy my toys. But she said differently. And because she said differently, she set those little ugly toys up in the driveway. And that crazy woman came driving by in that car. And she bought it. And she had Sonic at night. Because when we speak, we create. And when you say, I can't do it, you can't do it. But when you say, I'm going to figure it out, you figure it out. Whether you're 60 or 6, if you want Sonic and you speak it into existence, the power, now I understand, this is not proclaim it and claim it. This is not you know, all that different thing. It has to line up with the word of God. She wasn't sinning by having Sonic for dinner. That was God saying, baby, I'm going to teach your dad something real quick. Just hang tight. See, here's the deal. Your brain, 
Your brain wants to accomplish, it, it wants to be right. Your brain wants to be right. So when it's told something, it does whatever it has to do to make that happen. But here's the deal. Your brain doesn't decipher between negative and positive. So if you give it information, it goes into motion to do everything that it can to make that happen. So when you speak negative, your brain starts working. How can I make sure we'd never do that? What can I do? do, do, do? What can I do? How can I make sure I'll never get in shape? How can I make sure that I'll never have money? How can I make sure that I can never find a boyfriend? How can I make sure? How can I make sure? But when you speak life, your brain starts going, how can I do it? How can I do it? How can I do it? It's all about what we speak. So not only is it impacting other people, but it's literally changing our world. So back to Acts 6, I was like, okay, God, you got to help me out with this. How is it that Stephen is at perfect peace? And then it was just like it jumped off the page. He said, well, he didn't say idiot. He said, hey, what do you think he's been speaking this whole time? It's like, I don't know, the gospel? Yeah. So he's been constantly speaking, saved through Jesus Christ, resurrected Jesus Christ, eternity in heaven. This is what he's been speaking over his life. The Bible said that they couldn't do anything with them because of what the Holy Spirit had led him to speak. So the reason why Stephen is at perfect peace while everybody else is losing their mind is because he has been saying something different. And because he's speaking those words, his world is changing. Because he's speaking, his surroundings are shaped. And so while you think he would be upset and mad and worried and fearful, he is just at perfect peace because he has been proclaiming the word of God. And something happens when our words align up with God's word. Something happens. It changes. And so I want to give you kind of a homework assignment. And if you'll come back next week, I know it's July weekend, but I feel like I got a little something to add on to it. You ever heard of a vision board? I'll talk a little bit about that next week. It's, it's, when, you, when you see what I show you in Acts 7, it blew my mind. I've never seen it before. But let's go back to Acts 6 for a second. I started this a few months ago. I didn't really tell. I told our directors. I didn't talk to anybody else about it. Um, and my wife was doing it simultaneously, and we didn't even know it. But it's this concept of, like, speaking proclamations over your life. Y'all heard about this? It's like putting together lips or whatever it is and just kind of saying things over your life. Because in the morning, I'll go to the gym and I'll pray and I have different things in my prayer request, things from you, our church, different things. Um, and then there was obviously a time where I would read the Bible, but, 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 you know, sometimes my prayer would just kind of get distracted. So I started making up these few lists. And so one of my lists was this proclamation. So, so Josh, do me a favor. Put that up on the screen for me. This was just some of, some of the stuff I say. Watch this. God has a hopeful and future plans for me. God has hopeful and future plans for me. That, that's not something I'm making up. That's in Jeremiah 29, 11. So every day I'm speaking that. Every day. Oh man, today's starting off bad. No, no, no. Because today God has a hope and future plans for me. God promises to give me strength. Anybody in here need strength? You ever had something happen one week where you needed a little bit of strength? Isaiah 40, 31, God promises to give us strength. We'll mount up like one with wings of eagles. 
who run won't grow weary, will walk and will not faint. Those that wait on the Lord will get strength. God will supply all of my needs. Philippians 4.19. Nothing can separate me from his love. Have you ever felt like, we were talking about earlier, when Scott was giving, have you ever felt like you did something that kind of separated you from the love of God? Like maybe you just did something that bad? Guess what? If you're proclaiming that every day, that nothing separates us from the love of God, Romans 8, 37, 39. God will give me peace when I listen to him. God will do great things through me. You're here on purpose because you have a purpose. God promises to comfort me. I know I have friends who've lost family members recently and different things, but he, he comforts you. God will draw near to me if I draw near to him. And all things will work if I put God first, Matthew 6, 33. Now, now, let me help you understand something. I don't proclaim anything that's not backed up by the word of God. I, I wanna see, I wanna align my words with God's word. But do you know what happens when you wake up every day and start proclaiming some of these things? You're speaking over your life and you're shaping your surroundings. Maybe you're like, hey, Troy, that, you know, that's some of that like weird new age stuff. I think Elon Musk came up with that or something like that. That's just, you know, you're, you're moving us out of the Bible and into like this new world. Do you know what David did when he fought Goliath? You remember what he did? It's called self-talk. He's talking to himself. <laughs> the same God that delivered me from the lion and the bear. What's he doing? He's not out there going, this guy's bigger than me, and I don't know if I can beat him, and he's been fighting. Everybody, and this is where I think I'm going to go next week, everybody was telling David how he wasn't going to win. What his brothers say? We can't beat him, and neither can you. What the king say? My, my, my uh, armor's too big for you. You're, you're a boy. You shouldn't be fighting. He's been fighting since he was a young man. Everybody was talking down. David said, I got to talk myself up. And so because he was speaking these things over his life, he's shaping his surroundings and he's changing his world. And he goes from being this shepherd boy to being this king because of the power in his words. God gave you the word so you could speak the word over your life. But if we keep letting culture change our words from uplifting, spiritual, powerful words of creation and identification, and we focus on division and distortion, guess what? We're going to walk around all upset and moping, and God's saying, it's right here. It's right here. It's right here. You're choosing death. But I gave you everything to be able to speak life. It's powerful, church. I'm going to make a longer list of these. I'm going to put it online for us. But I do want to challenge you. Do it yourself. Because there's some things I'll have on my list that don't pertain to you. About your family, about your career, about your dreams. But let's just see. Just, let's just try it. From now to next Sunday, make a list. And every morning when you wake up, speak those things. Before you get out of bed and look at Facebook and let everybody tell you how better they are than you. Speak these things. God has hopeful and future plans for me. Nothing, nothing that can happen that God, God will supply all my needs. God will come for me. God will give me strength. Nobody can separate me from his love. Speak those things. Do it faithfully from now to next Sunday. And tell me if there's a difference. I bet there is. I bet there is. Before I close, I think the coolest thing in Scripture when it comes to speaking 
are speaking into existence, I guess you would say, is the concept of salvation. The Bible says believe in your heart and what? Confess with your mouth. So before you make up that list and start speaking those things, I think the first thing you have to do is believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and speak that. And so if you've never done that, I challenge you to do that first. If you're saved and you're a Christian, you follow Christ, I challenge you to make up this list, not make up, but create this list of the things that God's already said about you and proclaim them through the power of God. Amen? They're not just words. They're not. But until you put it in motion, you'll never know. Father, I thank you right now for your word. I mean, we call it your word. Why would we ever think that there's not power in words when we build our relationship with you on your word? I pray for everybody that's in this room, everybody watching online, that they would understand the weight of their words. First of all, I pray we'd be checked, Father, and when it comes to talking to other people, that we'd be loving, that we'd be kind, that we'd be Christ-like, that we would check ourselves, hold ourselves accountable. And then moving from that, Father, I pray that we would understand that everything we speak creates the world around us shapes our surroundings. And so if we speak life, Father, we'll be living life. If we speak death, we'll be living in death. You've already laid out a script for us in your Bible. We just have to speak it. Speak that you're with us. Speak that you're restoring us. Speak that you're strengthening us. Speak that you're comforting us. Believe it as we speak it. So, Father, I pray we'll do that this week, that we'll wake up every day proclaiming the word of God, proclaiming the things that you've already said about us, proclaiming the promises that you've already made for us. And I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that we'll begin to see a change in the world around us, in our immediate surroundings. Thank you that what was happening to Stephen in Acts 6 is still powerful for us today. I pray right now, just kind of a side prayer, if there's anybody in this place that they've been told something before and God, they're still dealing with it, I pray you'd give them supernatural healing right now. That you'd set them free. That what was said over them is not true. What was spoken over them is not the word of God. And they'd be released from that. I pray if there's somebody in here who said something and it's still impacting someone, I pray right now you'd move on their heart so heavy that they'd have to call them when they leave this building and ask for forgiveness. Father, as Christians, make us more responsible for the words that we speak. Jesus never said a word without it having a purpose. I pray we live the same way. Thank you, Father. We love you. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.